This podcast is sponsored by Dent Magic, your Bristol-based car body repair company. Visit us at Cripps Causeway or Central Bristol, or we can even come to you with our mobile service at your home or workplace. Have you got a scuff, scratch or dent on your vehicle? Dent Magic can fix them all. If you need the magic touch for your vehicle, visit www.dentmagic.net to get your quick quote online today. Okay, so through my involvement with the Former Players Association and the Heritage and Archive, I've developed a massive appreciation for players from years gone by, as well as collecting in lots of Heritage Archive material. When we went through and did the the Ashton Gate 8 40th anniversary, there was a goal uncovered by a player, Jimmy Mann. Um, it was against Nottingham Forest in 1979, and it led me to find out more about Jimmy. And pleased to say that he's joining me on the podcast today for this Ashton Gate 8 anniversary special. We play Leeds on Friday night, and uh, I thought it was high time that we got Jimmy on the podcast to talk a little bit about his time at Bristol City. So, Jimmy Mann, 283 appearances, 45 goals for Bristol City. Jimmy, first of all, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Well, that's okay. Welcome. So, Jimmy, just a bit about your time when you joined Bristol City. You joined from Leeds United, age 21. Uh, so, coming down all the way to Bristol from Yorkshire. So, how did you find the journey down, settling in at Bristol City, and your memories of signing for Bristol City? Well, initially, uh, Alan Dix and John Silly came uh, to Elland Road to watch me play. They must have thought I was a decent player, and Tony Collins had advised them as well. So we, we uh, made our way down to Bristol. Um, was invited to go down and uh, and look at the club and that. And travel-wise, it, it was on the train because although I'd passed my test, I didn't have a car at that stage. So it was uh, on the train, and it was okay. We met uh, Alan Dix and, and John Sillett. I had a couple of days uh, there. I, I can't remember exactly whether I signed there and then or whether I, I went on, uh, you know, to consider what we was doing. Mm. Um, and it went on went on from there. Uh, I wasn't married. Signing for City um, enhanced that quite a lot because... Uh, Oh, I'm still married and we're still together, me, uh, Christine and I. Um, I, I, I think uh, it wouldn't have been any good for our relationship 200 and odd miles apart. So uh, <laughs> we got, yeah, we got married uh, maybe a bit earlier than uh, than we we did intend to. Right. So Christine, you met her obviously in in Yorkshire, uh, and then she came down to Bristol with you. Oh yeah, she came when when I had the. Uh, sort of an, an interview with Alan Dixon and John Sillett and that. She wasn't in, in the room, but she was there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, still by my side, yeah. Excellent. Brilliant stuff. Well, you actually made your, your debut for Bristol City in a, in a Gloucester Cup match against Bristol Rovers on the 29th of April, 1974. So, a debut against Bristol Rovers that must have been something <laughs> to make a debut in, in such, a, such an important, important match. Yeah, it it was, um, and I don't think I realised then just how important it was to the people of Bristol. Um, <laughs> I'd missed a lot of training, uh, negotiating with Bristol City, travelling down there, and that, and I did play, and I, I didn't play very well, and we lost, which was 
not very often we lost the Bristol Rovers because uh, most times over the next eight years we we um, came out on top. Yeah. Mostly, I think we did lose one to just towards the end, uh, just before I left. But uh, we usually did okay. But yeah, yeah, it was certainly experience. Yeah, those Bristol derbies is something I really miss. We haven't actually played Rovers in any competition now for for over ten years. Uh, so some people really miss it. Some people don't. It's a real split. To anybody outside of uh, Bristol, lost the cup. What, what is that? What? <laughs> it's non-event, like you know. But to the people of Bristol, it was really important. It wouldn't be so bad from when um, we were both in the same league, but once we were in separate leagues, we didn't play all year, obviously. And uh, it, it was, I, I found it really good. And I was daft as it is, I was quite successful in it. I, if I remember rightly, it was to score quite a few goals and, uh, you know, give the, uh, the City fans something to cheer about. Fantastic. Love that. So, um, Jimmy, you were described as creative in midfield and deadly in attack, and that was how you were described by uh, one of many Man of the Match performances in the local paper. Um, This particular game was a 3-0 home win against Sunderland in August 1975, and you scored twice in that game. For those who didn't see you play, what modern-day player have you seen that makes you think, I played a little bit like that, and that was how how I played back back in the 70s? Yeah, so what? this is what I, I thought of myself. I was an attacking player, to be quite honest with you. I did far too much defending, you know, but uh, I, I better pick somebody who was quite good, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, like an attack, attacking attacking midfielder type, like a, a Frank Lampard maybe? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, well, they're not obviously present day, are they? Um, I suppose, you know, I wouldn't be a Frank Lampard's uh, class or even somebody like Paul Scholes. Um, but, you know, I'd like to think I was a similar sort of player. Score of, could... score of great goals as well. I mean, I've seen, we'll come on to some of your goals in a minute. I've managed to find uh, four four goals from, from the archives of yours. So we'll have a look at those. But, I mean, yeah. the, the, the goal against Peter Shilton, that is that is class of, of Frank Lampard of a Paul Scholes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it was the the, the, the Forest goal, you know, it sort of come out of the blue, didn't it? And, and, and basically, it just Jerry Gow rolled it to me and I just backed it. And, <laughs> I mean, if, if it had gone high, wide and not very handsome, my teammates had been, been going, what, what are you doing shooting at that distance? Because you're giving pos- uh, possession away, uh, aren't you? But there's not a lot anybody can say when they're flying the top corner. Exactly, exactly. Let's, let's Jimmy, let's have a look at some of these quick, uh, these goals that I found in the archive. Hopefully you can you can see them on your screen. It should be coming through okay. anytime now. So we spoke a little bit about the, the type of player you were and how you compared to modern day, but... All of those goals were were great goals. Some of them you latched onto, some of them you brought from over the halfway line, and they were all quality finishes. Some of those goals there, you as as we were watching them through, you they they came flooding back to you. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I can remember scoring. I think it were outside the box, but I didn't realise how far I'd run with the ball. Actually, you know, I picked picked the ball up and ran ran quite a long way, and they just sort of parted like the 
like the seed in, you know, and, and let, they just let me have a shot, really. I, I shouldn't have got in that position, to be honest. And so in terms of watching Bristol City these days, I know we, we spoke earlier and you, you watched the West Ham replay in which Bristol City won. Uh, obviously, you still look out for, for City score at, right to, up to this day. I do. Um, yeah, if if we're in, our, and uh, my wife does as well, um, we, we certainly, I follow Bristol City more than I do Leeds, but, you know, I'm interested in how they're doing in, in the league and that. In fact, very interesting, Marto in Bristol City, uh, whether they get promotion or not, you know. It'd be great if they could get promotion. Been a long, long while, aren't it now? So, uh, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. um, it's Eight, it, went down. Yeah. absolutely. Prior to going up in '76, it was 65 years. So let's hope it's not 65 years. No, on no. This occasion. <laughs> no, well, they're, they're threatening all the time, aren't they? You know, you think, oh, they're going well. I, um, I remember when Nigel Pearson took over, uh, three or four years, I suppose. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, he's a good manager because he'd been at Leicester another club and I thought yeah he usually, he usually gets teams playing for him and what happened is I can't remember the teams he played he took over and I, I do like a bet but I did actually but I very seldom bet on football but I did have a bet on Bristol City because they were way down in the league and I thought yes here we go and uh, Nigel Pearson come and I don't know they played two other teams quite near the top and beat him. I yes, I, mean. I remember it. Yeah, got a monstrous prize, and then they just went into free fall again. You know, but they didn't go down or anything. But there were there were no nowhere near promotion, which was yeah. disappointing. Yeah, he had a bit of a rough time in terms of having to, you know, strip down the the squad and yeah, reduce yeah. the wage bill, and and obviously bringing through academy players like Tommy Conway, who who scored that goal uh, yeah. against West Ham. The the squad, the team that you were in in the seventies, was a, a a blend, wasn't it, of young players and more experienced players. But that's that sort of team spirit of players that come through the ranks together and and sort of grow up together and things like that. That can only help a team be successful. Yes, um, I mean footballers need to be uh, hungry. You know what I mean? They need to play as if. Uh, you know, with that bit of hunger in them and determination. I mean, watching Man United the other night, although impressive on the ball and that, and they ended up uh, winning, winning easy. Was it Newport? Newport. I, I know it was a Welsh team, yeah. But you get the impression um, some of them are on easy street, you know, they're all right when they've got the ball at the feet, but... You know, at times they're not too keen on the rest of it. Um, but there were none of that in our team. We was all, uh, you know, quite hungry players and uh, desperate for success. And that that has a lot lot to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I found a, um, a programme extract about Jimmy Mann from 1976. Just for a bit of fun, let's see if you can remember some of the answers to these questions. So what car were you driving at the time? I think it was an Escort. Yeah, Ford Escort. Right. Uh, your favourite food? Well, everybody used to say steak, didn't they? And I'm sure I did as well. Absolutely right, yeah. Um, other sports and hobbies, what did you do in your spare time? Well, I'll never forget, I used to be the keenest fisherman ever. 
and certainly fishing. It's funny because I, I don't do any of them now. So I used to play snooker. Yeah, fishing and snooker is exactly what you said. But yeah. you don't you don't uh, keep up those hobbies these days. Well, no, believe it or not, where I'm living now, there's a canal at one side of the house and a pond at the other. I have no interest. I thought you were going to say there was a canal at one end and a snooker table down the other. Oh, no, no, not the snooker <laughs> table. Uh, well, the thing is that just gradually the, uh, the appeal of playing snooker and that just disappeared. And you, you, I used to go and, and, and have games of snooker and I'd play for money, but that put me off because uh, when you're not playing very often. So do you, do you ever play snooker? Yeah, I, did. I used to play a lot of snooker actually in a social club with they had four big snooker tables. Very difficult sport. You have to be you have to really um practice, practice, practice to get to get yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. As with well, anything. Yeah, I, I I love to play snooker, but I never I, somebody once said to me, you're a good club player, you know. I, I, this was in all the working men men's clubs in Gore where we used to play. I used to play in a league team. But I, I, um, I um, got to a certain level and I never improved. And once I stopped playing, whenever I had a game, I was just getting worse and worse. Mm. Of course, like you said, you just said, you've got to keep your eye in, meaning you've got to be playing at least once a week. And uh, yeah, so the, the, the two hobbies I had, but I, I don't have them anymore. Yeah. What have you got any hob any new hobbies then that you that you actually that keep you busy um now? Not really. I mean, I spend most of the time with my wife and you know our hobbies really are you know going to the coast. We're not we're not far off the coast here, like um places like Hornsea, you're talking about thirty miles, Gridlinton. Why? That's forty miles. So we spend a fair bit of time uh on the coast and uh, Yorkshire, Yorkshire Moors, North Yorkshire Moors, just having a little walk. Um, and you've got a list of jobs, I expect, as well, that you wake up to every morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all there. Whether they get done or not is, is another thing. You know, <laughs> I have certain responsibilities, like cutting the grass. When we lived at Blacktoft, um, I lived near the jetty where I worked. I worked there as a jetty master. Uh, I used to tend to the fire all the time. We had a coal fire. And and just, um, yeah, little jobs around the house, uh, duties. But I've lost a lot of them. I spent too much time sat on my backside. But I do try and exercise, you know, just to keep myself something like. Excellent. No, great stuff. Yeah. Um, your pet like and your pet hate. Pet like any guesses? <laughs> not saying chips, I don't. No, pet pet like is eating. All oh, right. <laughs> oh well. Uh, so that's something that we all like, I'm sure. And well, pet right. hate. Yeah, the diff the different was then. You could more or less eat what you want because you oh, yeah. play matches. Um, I, I still enjoy my food. There's no doubt about it. But the problem <laughs> is, it just goes straight on my stomach. So, <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, pet hate, any ideas? Yeah, I, th I think it's maybe ignorant people. Cats. Cats? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I don't know where I'm, I got I that from. That must have been of somebody else's. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm so, uh, yeah, not a big yeah. fan of cats, but... Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> 
music. You're not a big fan of music, according to this, but you do have a favourite band. Well, that would have been ELO, for sure. Oh, no, the Beatles. The Beatles? Yeah. Maybe before I um, started listening to ELO, then. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. This was well, 1970, 76, I think I said it was. Yeah, well, ELO um, was certainly on the on the go then. And I know my missus went out and bought, uh, I think that was uh, released in 76, Out of the Blue. Um, so they well, it'd been ELO after the Beatles, anyhow. Because yeah. everybody loved the Beatles. Of course, yeah. Default answer. Um, all right. Player most admired and your most difficult opponent is the same person. Yeah. Well, I've no doubt because, and, and, and if I don't get this right, there's something, somebody else has been doing it. Johnny Giles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Former Leeds colleague who uh, at the time was player manager of West Brom. I like him because of the amount of time he has been in football at the top. He's 36 now and still seems as good to me as he was six or seven years ago. And you've said his ability to dictate games and his passing is sheer perfection. So definitely someone that you admired then. Oh, yeah. John, yeah, Johnny Giles, a fantastic player. You'll be aware... I mean, a little fella, so his balance was absolutely superb. I mean, you couldn't really pick it. I suppose if you wanted to pick a fault with him, it wasn't very good in the air, but you wouldn't expect him to uh, be heading the ball very much. It was brilliant. Him and Bremner in midfield were a, a brilliant partnership. Awesome. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Uh, match most remembered, uh, your first goal against Notts County for Bristol City. Um, start of a run of four wins for the side and then, and a 1-0 victory over Man United. So, obviously, we've spoken about some of your goals, but uh, but also some some big memories there. Obviously, getting promotion to the top flight. Uh, is there something that you that stands out for you out of all of that? Well, the goal against uh, Notts County, I, I came in the side because somebody was injured or suspended. Um, so, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking... Yeah, I'm, it were most likely Jerry Gow because it was a midfield player and uh, Jerry Gow did get injured that much, but he did get suspended a fair bit because of the way he played, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, that was, you know, he was an aggressive, aggressive player. And, uh, yeah, I came into the side, I think it was October, it had been 74. Yeah. And um, I was playing pretty well, but I knew I had to um, perform very well by the way Alan Dix managed his teams to keep my place and I was playing pretty well but the goal really was like and then I saw the column assist now don't I? it's another good shot and somebody else scored from the keeper saved it and uh, somebody Jeez. scored from the rebound Jeez. so I had a good game and uh, I was selected for the next game I'm just trying to remember it I think it was Portsmouth, and we won that 1-0. What a memory. And Jerry Gow scored. Wow. Then we had a midweek game. That was 3-0. Yeah, I'm just looking now. Yeah, Portsmouth away, 1-0 victory. Um, Oxford United right. uh, in the next game, another 3-0. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So win. that, you know, I suppose, um, cemented my place in the team for uh, the rest of the season. But I think, like we were saying before about the team now, what they need is a run like that 
three, four, five wins and just shoot absolutely. Hip, confidence breeds breeds results, doesn't it? Yeah. And absolutely, we we are a team that that goes on these runs. Um, but then we perform really well against some of the the top teams, and then we went we you know we beat West Ham and then went to Preston and lost lost two 0 So it's yeah. uh, but that can often be a, a big problem. It's a it's a psychological problem because. <clears throat> You, you can think to yourself, and it's a difficult thing for managers and that to deal with. You you have a team that goes in and beats a top team, maybe easily, and then you, 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 your next game is a, a, against a more mediocre side and you might have home advantage and what, and you get a bit overconfident. And that, that's sometimes what happens, I'm afraid to say. It shouldn't do, but it does. You can't help it. It's it's not about your feet playing football. It's about it's about your brain, you know what I mean? You, you're thinking... It, it's very similar to when we got got relegated um, from the first division. And I think, what do you say? We, we, we thought we were going to just go straight back up. Mm. Although a few players had moved on, there was still a fairly strong side there. And I don't know what it was. There, there was loads of games. We got a draw in the first one, and then it was just loss, loss, loss. Um, and all the time, different players were going. You know, you'd lose. The, the, the crowds were going down. You were losing your players. The saddest pair of players to leave, as far as I was concerned. I mean, we were... All the, the big names, you know, from the big clubs like already gone, Harry Cooper, Peter Carmack, um, Joe Royal, Nom Nunter, they'd already moved on. Chris Garland was still there, and he, he obviously was one of the um, the Ashton Eight. But uh, a bit, well, bit wrong attitude, and we got on a losing run, and we just couldn't get out of it. And it, I think it was that time then Alan Dix got the sack. So, uh, yeah. This psychology obviously is a big thing in sport now. And yeah. I think Bristol City in the past have had sports psychologists. And and I on various interviews that I've done in the past, I can remember, I think it was Matty Hill saying that often they would they would all go in and see this sports psychologist before the game. Yeah. Um, and he would set their mind straight and really help. And, yeah. and, and when we go on these sort of streaky runs of defeats, there was a time a couple of seasons ago when we couldn't win at home. And I remember Nigel Pearson on the touchline when we'd actually won a game, the relief on his face. Um, it, it's massively important. It's massively important though, yeah. have, having that correct mindset, Jimmy, isn't it? Yeah, and no matter uh, what sport you're competing in, um, to be over, you, you need to be confident, but to be overconfident is not good. You, you need... Um, well, that, that was the one time when I, I was aware that the preparation and, and everything uh, and the mental attitude was wrong. Mm. But, you know, before we could sort of change the results, we'd so far down the league. And uh, and, and like I say, the, the players were going one after the other. Like it, the, the worst, worst two, when um, Mabbott, Kevin Mabbott, I was only a young fella when he left. Don't know what age he'd been, twenty in his early twenties, mm. and and uh, there were Clive Whitehead. So there was two hot players, really good, and I was 
I was devastated when they left. I but I think Clive, Clive was one of I think maybe Kevin was. The, the pair of them had real long contracts, didn't they? And I think, well, obviously it was for financial reasons, but I think it was those two because um, because they had the long long contracts. I believe the club, like they'd done with um, Jimmy Goward gone, hadn't he? Uh, he had a long contract. Certainly left. I don't know whether he'd... I think he'd already gone then. I think he, he, he was Jerry Gower's first long contract. Tom Tom Ritchie. Um, then it was Mabbott and Whitehead. Yeah, and Tom went off to Sunderland for a, a short stint as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where um, your top players gone. There's, there's the one you're, you're going to struggle with. And, you know, you've got, you've got blokes like sort of the... Season before, you got blokes like Joe Ryle and Peter Cormack had left. Well, they weren't at the best, but you know there was fantastic players and um, and uh, vastly experienced. Just looking um, at the, the this program extract again: countries played in Spain, France, Holland, Portugal, Yugoslavia, Greece, and Norway. How did well, you How did you get to play in those countries? M- most of them uh, will have been on tour. Oh, um, yeah, right, okay. Um, I don't know, I didn't mention Sweden, because we're always in Sweden. We used to have uh, pre-season tours there. But that might have been quite early on. But when I was at Leeds, although I didn't play that much in the first team, I did travel on a few uh, European uh, matches, most likely being Fairs Cup. Right, okay. Yeah, Fairs Cup. And I certainly remember going to Barcelona with Leeds, um, right. Yeah, but I think the majority of them would, would have been um, tours which involved playing uh, matches. Coming up, we've got the the 50th anniversary of the famous Bristol City win. Donny Gilly scoring that goal up at Leeds. So you would have been at Leeds at that point. I was watching. <laughs> yeah, I was watching, and I mean. Bristol City then didn't mean anything to me. They were just this. Who were they? <laughs> exactly. They were just this club that were quite close to the bottom of the second division. Obviously, going back, what what would be the championship now? Mm. And uh, Leeds were the biggest certainties ever to win that match, and they lost. And uh, I can remember remember it well. I was absolutely uh, gutted with that. Um, but uh, don't get yeah. Keith Fear got the ball, sort of swiveled on it a little bit, and played it a great pass to Don Gillies. And I, I think it was Norman Hunter was, and this was when he was playing for Leeds. Yeah, I think Norman Hunter tried to challenge it, but uh, Gilly um, he Gilly got there first and in the net. But was that was it just one nil? Is that where it was? One nil. Yeah, one nil. I knew it was the winning goal anyhow. But you, but and then obviously you say Bristol City wasn't really on your radar at that point, and then a couple of months later, you're joining Bristol City. So that might have would have helped put Bristol City when when they came calling. You're like, ah, yeah, you're the team that that beat us on our own patch. Yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, look, like I said before, I I um I, I visited Bristol maybe three times before I signed because, you know, I had to watch what I was doing. I was big upheaval, long way. And, uh, you know, like me and uh, 
interesting. We had a lot of long chats about it, and uh, you know, did we want to go there? Did we want to leave leave Gull, uh, where we both lived? Mm. And the family thing, although obviously at that age we, we didn't have our own family, meaning children. Yeah. yeah. But you know, our parents were there, our brothers and sisters were there. But we 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 decided uh, there was the only team that got in touch, and I don't, I don't know whether that was deliberate in some some respect, um, because I, I would have expected there's a lot. We was only on about this this morning around the Bristol area and that. You know, if I'd stayed living where I was, you limited bit with a reasonable commute to to clubs I could go to. It'd have been, I mean, professional club, full-time professional clubs. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we decided, um, and we had, don't get me wrong, me, me and Chris, or Chris and I is the correct, uh, correct grammar, um, we absolutely loved it, living there. Is it Nailsy you settled in? Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it, yeah. was there was there a particular player, whether it was a similar age or or a particular member of staff that helped you settle into Bristol at the age of twenty one? Ken Wim Wimsers was helpful. He, he was the uh, chief chief coach. Uh, they were all helpful when required, mm. but but uh, it, it was like this year um, when I left there, I didn't, we didn't have anywhere to live, and we was in the process of buying buying this house and. Well, everybody knows how long it, that takes. And I was in some digs around the corner, and I, I can't think of the place. And uh, we didn't really intend staying there long term, you know. But uh, like City paid the rent, which was two thirds of my wage, more or less. Right. And then when we'd been there a couple of weeks, because <laughs> I had nothing in writing, it was hard luck, Jim boy. You're going to have to pay your own rent. So, uh, so that's what happened. I wasn't impressed by that, to be honest with you. I bet it was, a, it was only it was only a short term thing. Like I don't know, it'd been two or three months or something like that. Yeah. So I just wondered if you've got a message for all the city fans that both watched you play and those that continually chant songs of respect for you in the Ashton Gate Eight. Well, uh, uh, thanks for uh, remembering us. You know, uh, meaning me and me and the other seven lads. Um, and really, just keep on giving you fantastic support, which they are. Them. How many fans did they take to London? Nine, nine thousand. <laughs> I know it's not like a million miles, but what would it be, Bristol to London? About hundred miles would it be? About hundred and yeah, it's about two two hours to. Two hours on. We drove in the end because our train was cancelled. There was chaos, tra yeah, transport chaos. It, it's hundred mile ish, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, nine thousand fans is um, pretty uh, pretty impressive, and the others were um, very uh, enthusiastic. But obviously, when we got relegated, I think we basically just got sick of us losing. Which the ones who got any sicker than the players were, but uh, it was a bit bit of a downer. And obviously, the the crowds disappeared because. The one for one thing, they weren't watching the big teams, and they weren't watching. They weren't supporting a particularly good team. I don't mind admitting that a team that's losing all the time is not a good team. 
Yeah, but you should, you support your team through thick and thin. Uh, for me, and uh, when I started watching in '87, we were down in I think the the, the third tier, yeah. um, if not the fourth. But uh, yeah, it, I've seen them in 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 every probably every division now, apart from the top flight, which is still um, obviously the goal and the the dream. And I'm yeah, yeah. absolutely gutted that um, that I wasn't around in the '70s to see the likes of you and uh, the the players that played in the top flight. But but yeah, the the following now is 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 fantastic. We're we're pretty much almost selling out for most away games yeah. now as well. So yeah. the support is definitely there. The structure is there and everything's ready, but um, it's for, it's thanks to, to, to yourself and, and the, the players that have come before that we've been able to, to continue. And uh, 42 years on, we're still going strong is the, is the chant. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, um, the ground, although I didn't go inside it, I want it, um, it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, we was on our way to Cornwall once and uh, we just called in. Uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Money's been well invested. Yeah, it's um, they're good. They were good. They were good times. Brilliant. Uh, Jimmy, uh, obviously, you know, you're welcome anytime back at Ashton Gate. And thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to speak to you. Thank you so much. That's all right. Thanks.